Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. And so we're coming to you today again in the sixth chapter of the book of Judges and verses 36 through 40. That is Judges chapter 6, verses 36 through 40. Ah, when you found it, say amen. That's all right. There we go. And if you're still looking, say, help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man. Listen, I need you to know God loves when you call on him in his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can call him loud in his house and he won't be mad. Some of our houses, you can come to you and get to screaming and yelling and we'll be looking at you like you're mad. But you come into God's house, you can call his name at the top of your lungs and you'll probably get him to move. He'll be too excited. Judges chapter 6, verse 36 through 40. It should end up being on our screen. I am because the word of God is the authority in our lives. Why don't we stand in reverence to it as we read it on today. Judges chapter 6. Ah. Verse 36 through 40. And I begin to read. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. Hallelujah. Then verse 38. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew and a bowl full of water came out. Somebody say amen. Then verse 39. Then Gideon said to God, my, my, my. <sighs> Do not be angry with me, Lord. Let me make just one more request. Touch somebody say, says one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, my Lord Jesus, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. Gideon that lost his mind. That night, verse 40, God did so, hallelujah. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Pray with me and for me as we talk for just a few moments under the title, God still believes in you. Father God, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know, Father. For if today, O oh God, your love, your grace, your mercy would withdraw themselves from me, this shirt would fall to the stage as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And yet, O oh Lord, you've allowed this day to take place. You know someone today needs the encouragement that Gideon got from you in this crazy moment. And so, Lord, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Renew a right spirit within us, Father. 
And now, O oh Lord, consider their hearts and enable your servant to speak your word boldly. Stretch out your hand to perform great signs and wonders through your holy name, through Jesus' name. Let the whole church say amen and amen. You may take your seat. God still believes in you. What God had said to Gideon, uh, Dave, was coming to pass. What God had called Gideon to be was beginning to take shape. Uh, in the verses before this portion of the text where we land on today, Gideon had taken down the Asherah pole and the altar to Baal, uh, and that kind of work, his obedience to God's first mission of him being a mighty warrior caused him to have so much buy-in by the people around him that when the Bible says he blew the horn to rally the people against the enemies, the Bible says that 32,000 of them came to fight on behalf of this lowest of the family and least of his tribe individual. It was his obedience to God that paid dividends in the respect that he got from the people around him. Even his enemies immediately knew that this man would be formidable and they raised over 100,000 individuals to come and fight against the armies of Israel. I don't know about you, but coming, after, coming out of this victorious moment uh, where after he knocks down this stuff and he tears down the altar, uh, his dad then stands up and says, if you want to fight my son, let Baal fight for himself because if you touch him, I promise you you're dead by the morning. Uh, in that moment, if, if I were Gideon, I would have received some encouragement. I would have been a bit happy. I would have seen the move of God, uh, Regina, and then I would have thought to myself, he's working on my behalf. He's doing things for me. Anybody ever felt uh, the move of God in your life and felt the love that encompasses your body when you find that God is answering your prayers? If I were Gideon coming down from this particular moment of seeing God protect me as I am obedient to him, I don't know that I would have come to the moment after blowing the horn, Nina, where I would have said the things that he says in this next particular portion of the text. I don't know that I would have lost my faith that quickly. I don't know that I would have just stepped back and said, Lord, I am not sure. Uh, maybe I would not have done it, but Gideon did it. Marilyn Gideon in this moment, uh, all of a sudden, his weaknesses raise their ugly head. And, 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 and please, please, church, don't be so quick to judge Gideon like I started to do uh, in my study here. Uh, because just because Gideon's weakness isn't mine doesn't mean it's not yours. 
Don't be so quick to judge him just because we think we know we would do better if we were in his shoes. Don't be so quick to judge Gideon because he questioned God and tested God. And, and, and some of us uh, try to show in moments like these that we are faithful. I would bet that some of us would look at this particular text and say, I would never have to pray that prayer because my faith has found a resting place. It's not in a man-made creed. Some of us actually in here boast about our faith in ways that makes us wonder, is our faith to impress God or is our faith to impress another saint? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. God is moved by our faith. Men, we're not moved by your faith. Sometimes if we were to fully understand what God has done for you in the real you, uh, uh, we would look back and say, God must be crazy to carry you through the things that he is carrying you through. Sometimes if we were to look back on who we really are, this is why, this is why sometimes when God does something for you, he tells you, don't tell anybody else. This is why sometimes when God does something for you and you go around your friend circle, you realize you can't really share how good God was to you because they won't understand it. They'll see you one moment uh, missing everything, needing help from every place, and then the next moment they'll see you riding on the high places of the earth and it'll be a move of God, but they will come with judgment. How did you? Why did she? How come? Why not me? Let me tell you, faith is for God, not me and not man and not woman. But in this particular portion of the story here, Gideon uh, is remembering who he told the angel of the Lord he was in verses 13 and 15 through 15. You remember in that particular moment, uh, when I preached this particular portion of that text, I said God came to him and called and said to him, what's up champ? And he looked at God, he said, pardon me, I know you're not talking about me, I'm, I'm not a champ, I'm the least in my family, I'm not great. In this moment right here, coming down from winning the battle uh, over Baal and the Asherah pole and all those people around him, he comes to this moment and fear creeps up inside of him and he now once again believes that he is the weakest. He's feeling abandoned again even though God was with him he's feeling weak again even though God was right there with him he's feeling like he is the least in his family in this moment I promise you Gideon is feeling insufficient he's a farmer he thrashes wheat and as Pastor Rico shared with us he's, he, he thrashes wheat so bad he's thrashing wheat in a wine press you remember, the wine press was deep down into the ground and it's supposed to get wind to make the chafe blow away from it, but he's down under the wind in the wine press, a place where you actually press grapes and he's trying to, to thresh the wheat up to make sure that he gets what he needs out of that. He's a poor farmer who God has now called to be a warrior. He's feeling unprepared, Pierre. but I want to bring it a little closer to you. For those of us who know who we really are, for those of us who know ourselves enough to know what we have as our weaknesses, we know 
that just because you won the battle over your problem or your weakness yesterday does not mean that you'll win it today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those of us struggling and fighting with the battle of depression know that just because I had a great week last week doesn't mean that I'm going to be a victorious person over depression on today. Those of us struggling with some of our sin habits uh, know that the insecurity is that we won over last week. The things that we were champions over and more than overcomers last month can be the same thing that bankrupts us today and takes us out tomorrow. For those of us who are fully aware of our sins, we know that once a winner doth not always mean that we will always be a winner. Because those strongholds that keep many of us shackled to pseudo forms of relief like anger, alcohol, pride, uh, uh, pornography, fear, and other uh, bad habits, we know that those things cause us to doubt God and, and forget that God told us that we were going to be great. God whispered in someone's ear earlier this year and told you you were go going to be someone mighty, someone strong, and yet right now, you're struggling with some fear. Gideon is right in that moment. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Gideon is overwhelmed with doubt. He is overwhelmed with fear. And as he approaches God, he brings all of that fear. And let me tell you something. He brings all of that fear to God. And Dave, he gets an audience with God. Come on, say amen, church. Why does he get an audience with God when he comes with all of this fear? I can see the audacity of the saints in the building saying he should have known that God was going to do bigger and great things through him. He already told him before. He tested God once before. So why is he coming again with this kind of fear? Listen, the Holy Spirit stopped by church today to tell the weakest warrior in the building on today that he still believes in you, though you are a sinner last night. I need you to understand the Holy Spirit is sitting right next to the weakest warrior listening to us at home and he's coming to tell that person, I still believe in you as you lay in your bed listening to Relove this morning. The Holy Spirit stopped by right now to stand with someone in the back and let that weak warrior know, I came to deliver a message from the Lord. God still believes in you. God still thinks the world of you. God still thinks great things about you. He still dreams about your purpose in life. He still hopes for you. He still has aspirations for you. Uh, he still believes in you. When I look at this dialogue, this testing moment that Gideon asked God to do, I find some more messages that, that God wants to leave with us today. And the first message is, uh, because he believes in us, he will reassure us. Mm -hmm. Listen to what Gideon asked God in verse 36. He says, if you will save Israel again by my hand, as you promised... Verse 37, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. 
Again, we said Gideon is not sure anymore about what God wants him to do. His weakness is taking over. Uh, his, 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 his fear is blocking the word of God and is stopping him from actually believing it. Uh, but he has enough sense, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to know that it's better for him to be with God in his weakness than to be with man in his strength. I can imagine... He's asking the question, Lord, I'm doubting you. Does that mean I'm not eligible anymore? I can imagine he's asking God, he said, Lord, I, I worried about your ability to deliver me after I took down the poles and after I was obedient to you, but I, I need to know, God, do I still find favor in your eyes? Do you still like me, Jesus? And what does God do? Verse 38 comes up and it says, and that is what happened. That is exactly what happened. He says, Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew. Uh, a bowl full of water came out and was inside of, uh, uh, that, that was inside that fleece. And it's literally because God still believed in him. I need to reassure someone in the building today. You may have made a fool out of yourself last year, but I need you to know God still believes in you. You may have messed up but I need you to know God still believes in you and he is willing to reassure you when you get back in line with him. And I need you to understand part of the way of getting your reassurance is to ask God for a sign. Ask God to show you the confirmation on his plans for your life. Some of us have been told, hey, quit that job, start another one. That's a, that's a tough task. Mm-hmm. Quit, quit that and go back to school. That's a tough task. You should be asking God, hey, listen, um, so can you, like, can you show me that again, Jesus? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And because God still believes in us, he'll reassure us. And so he'll show you again. But then, as if twice wasn't enough, Winston, because you remember the first time was, you know, when I preached that sermon, uh, uh, he's waiting on you. He, Gideon went into the, to the kitchen to cook some stuff and get it ready to bring an altar to the Lord to see if God was really talking to him. You remember that? And, and, and he found out, yes, God was talking to him because he took the altar. He received it. I mean, the, the, the sacrifice, he burnt it up and, and he waited on him in that moment. I told you God's waiting on us. And, and then now he asked him to, 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 to I'm going to lay this fleece down, make the fleece wet and the ground uh, uh, dry. And, 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 and God does that without question. But then Gideon got nerve. And he asked, for another sign of confirmation. My second point that I want to bring to you, because God still believes in us, he is patient with us. Verse 39 says this about Gideon. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, my Lord. Let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time, <laughs> make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. This seems like a little kid talking. He doesn't even know what he wants to do. He said, God, do the whole thing all over again, but just flip it this time. Whoa, I see him. <laughs> Tell the truth. How many of us feel like Gideon, when you read this for the first time, was like pushing his luck? 
like, yo, yo, hey, bro, he done talked to you two out of three times. He done said he was going to do it. He did it. He's saying he's going to do it. He said he's doing it, but you going to ask him again? But we got to ask ourselves, why do we feel like Gideon could be getting close to triggering the anger of God with this other request? Can I tell you the answer? Because many of us see God like we know who we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I knew no one would say amen. I knew no one would, would clap in that particular moment because I'd like to submit to your listening ear uh, this afternoon that we fail at trusting God because we can't trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. I believe we can't believe that God can do things because of our own insecurities of who we see uh, uh, God to be. It, 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 it's difficult to accept that God uh, can do great and mighty things oftentimes because of the core beliefs that many of us have about who God is that fly contrary to what the word tells us of who God is. It's difficult for us to accept sometimes what God will do because many of us feel like we just don't deserve it or someone else doesn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. Take, for example, forgiveness. Many of us walking around here with the burden of unforgiving sin and we won't walk into the freedom of forgiveness of God because simply we're not going to forgive somebody else around us. Mm -hmm. Because every moment, every opportunity we get, Selene, we will remember what you did. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And when I look at that thing again and I see, I see how it triggers me about who you are, yup, not forgiving you. So we walk around with frustration on us. We, 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 we walk around angry, we walk around not willing to, 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 to be kind to others. And it's because we can't accept God's forgiveness because we're not giving forgiveness to somebody else. Now, I, I want to share something else with you. When God tells many of us, hey, you can be healed. Be healed, he'll say. But many of us will refuse our healing. And here's why you'll do it. Because it's more simpler to believe that we are victims and bad things happen to us all the time. It's, the story goes better when I tell you how it happened to me rather than how I overcame. We have more gossip parties than prayer parties, if I tell the truth. We have more gossip parties talking about how somebody did this and how that happened to us and how they were mean and how dare they than we have moments when we actually get on the prayer line at 6 o'clock in the morning here at this church and flood it with testimonies of God's goodness. There is more at the gossip table than at prayer meeting. And, And I, the preacher... I'm here saying to myself, when I read this particular portion of Gideon and ask God, as Gideon asked God, say, Lord, can you repeat that? But can you do it again another way? I want to reach into Bible days, Dave, and say, hey, yo, Gideon, be careful. You're going to make him mad. And you don't want to deal with him when he's mad. We don't see him open up the earth and swallow people. We don't see him let snakes out and get all kinds of people. We don't see him hold the Red Sea back and then swallow up some. And you don't want to be an enemy of the Lord. You should just go, listen, listen, quit while you are ahead, Gideon. And then when I see that God didn't get angry, Paula, hear hear me, I'm caught now, I'm caught. Listen, Listen to me. 
When I see that he didn't get angry, all of a sudden, man, I'm like, oh, shoot, maybe I might want to fleece God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Lord, yeah, go ahead and uh, can, you, can you just, uh, this handkerchief, can you just, you know, I'm going to put it out here. Lord, when I open the Bible, I'm going to put my hand down on the text, and when I get this, going to be exactly what you want me to do, God. God, I didn't know if that text was really what you meant for me to do. So I'm going to flip it again, Lord, and ask, Lord, when I put my hand down, this got to be. Because God was patient with Gideon, so he must be patient with me. But then I'm buffeted, saints. I'm buffeted by another text in the New Testament by Matthew chapter 16 and verse 4 that says this about people looking for signs. Mm. Gina, it say, a wicked and adulterous generation of people look for signs. Oh, Lord. I'm caught. I'm caught because, because Nina, I, you, I don't want to be adulterous and you ain't going to call me wicked too many times. I'm trying to be like the Lord. So, so, let, so, so let me hold on to my little bit of faith because I don't want to be caught in this particular moment right here. I so desperately can't be like, no, <laughs> I don't want to be these things. And so I, instead of looking for signs, instead of asking uh, God for signs, I'm, I'm, I'm that Christian, and you might, there might be some of you in here, who, who I catch my signs of God's movement in my life uh, serendipitously. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure, I didn't know that's what you wanted me to do, Lord. Okay, cool. I catch my signs by, by God's movement in my life, Marilyn. I catch them by hindsight, like, oh, shoot. Like when we sit down and really think about it, oh, that was the Lord, because I can't ask him ahead of time because I'm going to look like I don't got no faith. Amen. Lights and windows. But let me tell you something. Many of us fail at believing that God has the power to do things. But I'll tell you this one thing. We are definitely afraid of him. Oh, yeah. You see, we, we, we may say that God uh, can't do some awesome things, but when they talk about how God can punish the wicked, we'll definitely believe that God will take us out and somebody else too. You see, we can doubt God's goodness, but we will certainly believe his chastisement. We have insecurities about him keeping his word and, and, and being a God of power and providing a church for relove, but we will certainly show that we believe in the revenge and the discipline that God can do towards us. Mm -hmm. The miracles of God, uh -uh, they can be stopped because, because, because they are dependent upon who we are. That's what we think. Uh, but the punishments of the Old Testament God, they are sure and true, and we are certainly afraid of that man. But God stopped by to tell somebody today, listen, try not to project our insecurities on God because he is always love. Mm -hmm. God stopped by here to tell somebody, try not to project our deficiencies on God because he's more than able. God's sitting right next to you saying, listen, listen, don't project your ego on me thinking that I would be unhappy and impatient with somebody else. Don't you know that I'm tenderhearted, that I'm long-suffering, that I'm slow to anger, that I take my time dealing with my children. Don't you know that I am patient, that I am loving, that your insecurities don't stop me, but they keep you from believing in me, but I transcend your false assessments of me. 
God's not bound by our core beliefs, but our core beliefs keeps us from seeing who God really is. Because God loves us. He believes in us. He will reassure us because he believes in us. He will be patient with us. This particular portion of Gideon's story shows me a God, brothers and sisters, that I want to be close to. I want to be close to a God that can be patient with me even though I know I've messed up. I want to be close to a God that can be patient with me even though I don't know I'm going to mess up. You see, I see a tender-hearted God here. I see a, a God who wants us to succeed. I see a God who's, who's not bothered by who we are, but encouraged by who we are. What do you mean, preacher? Jumping down to Judges chapter 7 and verse 9 through 11, bringing up our last point for today. Because God still believes in us, listen to me clearly, he makes provisions for us. Judges chapter 7, verse 9 and 11, 9 through 11, read this. During that night, this is after he had pulled out 22,000 of those guys and left Gideon with 300 men. He says to him, during that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. Now, now, now that's awesome. Now, he had already told him that, you remember, in chapter 6. You're going to be a mighty warrior and you're going to deliver Israel, he says. But he puts in verse 10. He says this. If you are afraid, my Lord. Got to ask y'all a question. Was Gideon scared? Yep. He certainly was. And the God that you and I know all of a sudden in this moment is doing something that I, that, 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 that as I read this particular thing, I said to myself, well, I don't, I don't know that I've seen God do this particular thing before. He, he says to him, he says, if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Verse 11 comes up and listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. And what does that next part say? Somebody read that with me. So he and who? Now, why is Pura going? Ooh, thank you, Nina. Because he's afraid. I need, I need you to fully understand this. The fear that Gideon had did not stop God from protecting him or stop God from using him. It caused God to make provisions for him. Oh, you can't miss this. You see, a lot of us will excommunicate ourselves and disfellowship ourselves because we're so sinful, because we're so fearful, and because we're so broken, God can't possibly use us. But right here in this particular text, God said to him, listen, if you're afraid, take this guy, but you can go by yourself, but if you're afraid, take this guy, and when you take him, I'm still going to work through you. 
I need you and I to fully understand something today. God knows who we really are. He understands our brokenness. He understands our lack of. He understands your inability to do, and he still wants to use you. He's not rebuking Gideon because of fear. He's helping Gideon because of his fear. Lachey, he's not chastising him because of his fear. He's making provisions for him because of his fear. He's not making him to be an outcast. He's making him to be lifted up because of his fear. His fear is not putting him behind God and he can't see him anymore. I need you to understand, saints in the building today, just because you sinned last week does not mean that God can't use you. But if you come to him sharing who you really are, God will show you that he can make greatness out of nothing and that will be you and I standing there being, being provided for by God and God showing us I can work through your weakness because in your weakness... I'm strong. He didn't leave Gideon when Gideon needed him most. He reassured him that he was still going to save Israel through him. He didn't get angry with Gideon when Gideon needed encouragement, but he was patient with him as, he, as the revelation began to sit in with Gideon and he began to fully understand God was going to work through him. Real love, I need you to understand that God was patient with him and he didn't stop comforting Gideon when Gideon was afraid. He looked out for him and said, listen, if you're afraid, I ask you the question today, saints, if you're afraid, God's got some provisions for you before you even ask. I rented a car as I'm closing in Huntsville, Alabama. Be there in a few weeks. Next week, Sabbath, uh, the family and I will be driving Sydney down to Oakwood for her orientation. But some years ago, I rented a car and... Uh, where's Captain Peel at? I don't see him in here. I rented a nice Cadillac. Oh, he in the back. Uh, okay, there you are. Captain, I rented a Cadillac. Now, I didn't intend to rent a Cadillac, Suave. You know, my pocket don't roll like that. I intended to rent, you know, something else, Marilyn, but then they ran out of cars. And all they could give me was a Cadillac. What was I going to say, Dave? No. No, I'll take the Cadillac. Thank you kindly. Sat in the car. I took a long time to drive off the lot, Nina, because I was, I was enamored by the lights and the buttons and the dash, you know. My Honda Accord doesn't have all of those kinds of things. And as I'm looking at this, I, I'm like, man, what's, what's all of this for? What's all of that for? And as I hit a button, lights along the door lit up. And I was like, oh, shoot. Went a little further on in the system. I could see that I could change the lights to red, blue, yellow. Marilyn, I was driving in style. I was feeling quite delighted with myself. Feeling happy. And my wife had told me to go with the umbrella. Trina, I left the house without an umbrella. And I didn't think it was going to rain in the south. I said, no, I don't, I don't really care. It's, you know, I'll, I'll be all right. I'll, I'll be all right. But then, you know, if you've, you've ever been down to the south and in those areas, storms can come up and, and rain can come up and it can be crazy. And I remember as I was driving through, we started out in the morning. We were going to Oakwood for Evangelism Council Pelk. I'll be heading there again this year, later on at the end of the year. Uh, and as I'm going in, I, uh, the morning was fine. But then as we broke for lunch, I saw the clouds coming. 
Like you've been around these kinds of times. You, some of these places, uh, you can actually smell, Jackie, the, the, the rain coming before it actually comes. And, and, and Sam, I, I, I smelt it. I said, oh, shoot, Sandra was right. Should have brought an umbrella. But one of the things that frustrates, frustrates me about having an umbrella is when I get it inside the car, it's like so cumbersome to deal with. It's dropping rain everywhere. So when I didn't get wet as I was walking to the car, now as I close up the, the umbrella pier and I deal with it, I'm going to be all wet. But one thing I noticed about this uh, uh, time is that the rain was not stopping. Like I was in my first day and this is happening and going to the second day has happened. So, so I went to Target, EJ, and I got me an umbrella. Got me a little small one just like the size of this mic. And I, I said, okay, cool. This small umbrella is going, it's not going to drop that much rain on me, Paul. I think I'm going to be all right. I, I can be a little finicky sometimes about things. Those of you who eat with me, you understand what I mean. Um, and so as I'm getting ready to pull this umbrella down, Nina, before I get into the car, I realize that in the door of the car is an umbrella sign. And I'm like, what in the world does that mean? Now, I didn't pay too much attention to it. I thought, okay, whatever. I, I, I actually, if I tell the truth, Taylor, I actually went to fold the umbrella up and put it down in that little pocket that's right there on the side of the door because I saw the umbrella sign, Paul. I thought, okay, I could put it right there. No, it wouldn't fit in there, so I had to put the umbrella down on the floor by my feet. My shoes was getting wet. My pants was getting wet, and I was, I was unhappy. I, I wasn't feeling too good about, about that particular moment, but I want you to understand the provisions of God. Stan, as I continued to look at this particular car, and I watched that side of the car, and I kept thinking, why in the world would they have an umbrella sign right here? And then I just kept looking and paying attention to it, and I figured out that not right down in this part, that was where the umbrella wasn't supposed to go right there. It's actually a little hole on the side of the door for the umbrella to go inside. Oh, man. You wouldn't believe how happy I was when I realized that God had set me up to be happy even before I knew because he cared about my inconsistencies and my problem about being wet. He set me up with a car that I would enjoy driving, that I would stare at all of the different things inside of it and find this umbrella spot so I could tuck the umbrella into the door and I could be provided for. Oh, so, so, so y'all think God don't work like that, right? So I read a little deeper into this particular text and as I was looking at the man who God provided for Gideon so that he could have some courage as he was going down, I, I thought, man, let me take a look at this particular man. And as I read about him, he's only mentioned in the Bible twice right there. God says to him, you could take with you and then he in the next verse goes and he goes down and as we all read he took Pura with him and I went to find out what Pura meant and when I looked at that name the name Pura meant covered I said to myself God was already setting Gideon up for success by covering him in the midst of his brokenness 
God was already setting Gideon up for success in his mind by covering him with somebody else to walk with him in his fear. God was covering him and making sure that he would not be lonely anymore and that he would not see himself as the least. I need you to understand that before you and I were born, God covered you with grace and he covered you with mercy and he covered us with provisions and he covered them just the way how you like them. He's my God so he knows I didn't want to be wet so he covered me with a little hole in my door I could have uh, my umbrella to hide. I need you to understand there's some testimony that you can share right now about God's coverage in your life. You knew you were supposed to be broken but God covered you. You knew you were supposed to be fearful but God covered you. You knew you should have been left back but God covered you. And he covered us before we could even ask him for coverage. My mind's reminded of the, the biggest time that God covered us when he sent his son. Oh, and he didn't ask you if you wanted coverage. He didn't ask me if I wanted coverage. He didn't say, let me check with Relove first to see if they're going to be happy with my gift that I'm going to give them. He sent his son. The Bible says the land was slain before the foundation of the world. He knew we would need him. I got to ask you today, are you going to choose him? Are you going to live in the coverage? I do not fault Gideon at all for going down there with Pura. I ain't mad. No. God said, take Pura. What I look like not walking with Pura? Are you going to leave your insurance behind? I'm not leaving mine. God is covering your insecurities today. And I hear the saint saying, that means I can, well, no. Pastor, you're telling them that they can do anything they want to do and God's going to cover them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you that the coverage of God for your life is specific to you because the plan that he called you for is only your plan. And that when you align with that plan, oh, you can ask God to confirm that plan anytime. Yeah. You can wake up tomorrow and say, God, I feel a little down today, but I want to do what you called me to do. Can you confirm it for me? God, I know you just confirmed it for me like three hours ago, God, but you know how depression and, and works inside of me. You know, how, you know how I get irritated about how things don't immediately line up, God. So God, I'm asking you, can you confirm this again? And God will reassure you. Because what he's reassuring is what you want to do that he told you to do. He is reassuring his plan in your life. He's reassuring his purpose in your life. And if you are asking God for a sign for that, I need you to walk in confidence. Not boldness, but confidence. Fully knowing that God will answer. He will confirm. He will reassure. He will be patient. He will be loving. He will be kind. He will make sure that he is not uh, short-tempered with you, but that he is long-suffering with you. That he is kind with you. That he's making sure to fix the coverage for you just the way you need it. And it's because you want to follow his purpose. So if you heard God talking to you, 
saying, this is who I want you to be. This is what I want you to do. Just raise your hand. And, and I need you to know that's not the same thing that your neighbor's raising their hand for. You may, be, you may need encouragement right now as you go through school. You may need encouragement right now as you look for a job. I know that's, that's, that's the McBride house. Father God, our hands are raised. And we're raised, Father, because we want you to confirm, Father, what you want us to do. You've told many of us different things, Father. So, Father, please confirm it. Lord, you've told us some things that made us feel good and some things that scared us, God, but we're asking you to confirm it again. And then, oh Lord, we are expecting some coverage in our lives. Because while the purpose that you've created us for is indescribable, and in some days, God, we might even feel like it's unattainable, you've got coverage to help us get there. Like you covered Gideon with Pura, God, I pray, Lord, that you would cover us to reach the purpose that you've called us to get to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand praise in the building. Come on, magnify the King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.